talk a solo Beatles video cast where we normally talk about the solo years but we are making a very special exception tonight uh, because we are talking about something that we have all been waiting for for a long time we are going to talk about this bad boy tonight we are going to uh, talk about the revolver, which you can't really see on my end. Oh, there we go. <laughs> there, we go. Uh, <laughs> there we go. The revolver deluxe box set. Um, I think it's safe to say we've all been waiting for this a long time and it's finally here. And we are going to dig into this tonight. And we have a very special guest who is going to help us really dig deep. I can't think of anyone better to uh, to really uh, help us um, analyze this. And uh, we're so happy he's with us. He's a good friend of our show. Uh, we will introduce him in just a moment. Well, let me just quickly introduce uh, the, the group, our special guest, and we will start the show over. Uh, thank goodness we didn't really get that far anyway. So my name is Kid O'Toole. I am the author of Songs We Were Singing, Guided Tours to the Beatles' Lesser Known Tracks, Michael Jackson FAQ, All That's Left to Know About the King of Pop, and uh, co-edited with Ken Womack, uh, Phantom and the Beatles, the act you've known for all these years. Um, introducing my friends, he is the co-host of uh, Two Legs, a Paul McCartney-centric podcast, along with our good friend Andy Nichols. He is Tom Hanyadi. Hello again, Tom. Kit, it is always good to meet you, no matter how <laughs> many takes it takes. But it uh, looks like we're good now, and uh, I got my three buddies here along with, a, with another good buddy, and we're going to have a great show tonight. Absolutely, absolutely. And he is the host of the very popular YouTube channel, Mean Mr. Mayo. Of course, we all know he is anything but mean. And we are very happy to welcome him back to the show, not only because he is uh, back because of the technical problems, he solved that, but he is back and healthy and better than ever, Joe Mayo. <laughs> Hello, Joe. Hello, Kate. Hello, uh, Tom. Hello, Ken. And hello, Jason, our guest. And uh, yes, one last question I have for you. Do I have to enable mask? Uh, no. Mask? <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, Sorry. It's never happened before. That's weird. No, you don't. <laughs> Are you very sure? 
Yeah, I don't think so. I've ne- that's that's weird. I've never heard that. So, uh, yep, it's all 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 bets are off tonight, folks. It's it's, it's just going to be great. Um, and then, as I've said before, the man that needs no introduction, but I'm going to give him anyway. Give it to him anyway. He is the co-host, or not the co-host. He is the only host. There's only one Ken of. <laughs> Um, of the longtime syndicated show, uh, every little thing replays just that. Every little thing from the solo years, the group years, everything. Um, he is also the co-host of the very popular podcast, Darren, uh, of uh, uh, things we said today with Darren DeVivo and Alan Cozen. And as I've said, how popular is it? Just ask Peter Jackson. And uh, <laughs> if, if that all weren't enough, he is also the host of the YouTube channel, Ken Michaels Radio where he is, uh, he welcomes everybody from musicians to authors, to podcasters, to video casters, you name it. We're sometimes on there too. Uh, mm. Ken Michaels. Hello, Ken. Again. Hi, Kate. <laughs> Hello, Tom, Jason, everybody watching. I'm thrilled to be okay. on tonight to talk about a truly great album. You mm. bet. Yep, yeah, we've all been looking forward to this. And then finally, our mystery, well, I guess not so much of a mystery guest, but he's been, with, <laughs> but he's been with us before. We are so happy to welcome him again. Uh, he is the co-author of, uh, with, again, our friend Ken Womack of uh, All Things Must Pass Away, uh, which is a wonderful book about uh, the year that uh, best friends and collaborators, I think you may have heard of them, George Harrison and Eric Clapton, uh, created their uh you know their just seminal albums all things must pass and layla if you haven't read it and they came on our show to talk about it as you may recall uh if you haven't read it please do so and also he is a a, the creator and host of the podcast producing the beatles which uh is all about how the beatles created their songs and recorded them and uh if you are not a technical person i'm certainly not it's still, uh, Jason really explains and, and demonstrates in a way that anybody can understand them and really brings new insight into their songs. So do subscribe. So welcome back to Talk More Talk, Jason Krupa. Hello, Thank Jason. Thank you. That was a tour de force. No, people watching this don't know that Kit just did that a few minutes ago. <laughs> And she and she's just gone through it again breathlessly. So take a breath. You've got a, easy, kid. Easy take a sip of that oh, coke. Yeah. <laughs> she might that burst. Into, she might burst into flame here any minute. Exactly. Oh my goodness. So yeah. So welcome everybody tonight. We are really excited to get into Revolver. But first, we are going to go through the news. So Ken, start again. What uh, what news do you have? Well, first of all, uh, we have to mourn the passing of rock and roll pioneer, Jerry Lee Lewis. Uh, Jerry was one of several rock artists of the 50s that the Beatles greatly admired, known for such classic songs as Whole Lot of Shaking Going On and Great Balls of Fire. With gratitude to Mark Lewis and take out his book again, The Beatles Live. <laughs> He lets us know in that book all the different shows that the Beatles did, dating all the way back to their Quarrymen days and all the songs they performed live. You want to know the Jerry Lee Lewis songs the Beatles used to do? There was High School Confidential, 
Mean Woman Blues, also done by Elvis Presley. When the Saints Go Marching In, also done by Fats Domino. Whole lot of shaking going on. The song You Win Again, which was actually written by Hank Williams, recorded it, and Jerry did the same. And also the song Fools Like Me. During the Get Back, Let It Be sessions, the Beatles rehearsed Great Balls of Fire, High School Confidential, and a whole lot of shaking going on. And during the Plastic on Old Band sessions, John, uh, John jammed on Jerry's song, It'll Be Me, which you can find in the Plastic on Old Band archival box set. And Jerry's album from 2006 called Last Man Standing had Jerry sing a duet with Ringo Starr. And together they did Chuck Berry's classic, Sweet Little 16. Jerry Lee Lewis was 87. Uh, there will be a special event taking place in New York City at the 92nd Street Y Kaufman Concert Hall on November the 20th. Olivia Harrison will be joined by Academy Award winning director Martin Scorsese to discuss Olivia's new book of poems called Came the Lightning, 20 Poems for George. You can hear them delve into the intimate stories of grief and sustained emotional connection told through Olivia's deeply moving poems. Also Scorsese's longtime fascination with George's music and much more. Tickets are available at the website 92ny.org events. And you can purchase tickets to be there in person or to witness it online. There's another new Beatles video that's been made to promote the new Revolver box set, following the first one for Taxman. The new one is for I'm Only Sleeping, which um, kind of like Taxman is also animated, but this one is very well done. Uh, very clever and lots of special effects involved. And I'm really artistic. Yeah. Definitely. This is one that I can watch many times over. Um, Taxman, I don't know if I would say that about. It's very much a lyric video, the Taxman one. Um, and uh, very reminiscent of Yellow Submarine-ish. It's kind of like it would fit that style. Um, but definitely it's online. If you haven't seen it yet, I'm Only Sleeping, the new video. Uh, Denny Lane has just announced that he'll be doing an acoustic songs and stories tour beginning next February. His songs will span his entire career from the Moody Blues to the Electric String Band, plus Ginger Baker's Air Force, of course, Wings, and his solo music, plus his early influences and some unreleased new music. All the dates so far have him playing at various city winery locations, beginning on February 7th in New York City, February 8th, Montgomery, New York, February 9th in Boston, February 11th, Philadelphia, February 15th in Washington, D.C., and February 19th for you, Kit, Chicago. So, so it's so going to be a loose, it's going to be a loose show, mm. you know, with the wine at these wineries, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's a nice venue. Strategic, though. I wonder. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it's always a joy to see Denny in concert. I've seen him many times. Um, You're so lucky because he doesn't come to the West Coast on his own. Yeah. I'm very happy yeah, to be kidnapped. Yeah. to the west coast <laughs> he doesn't come on his own accord no. <laughs> i'm gonna shut up now you just guys keep talking <laughs> oh no this is part of it this, this is, part, is of part of it 
we've now entered the zone of things we haven't done before. Yep, um, this is anything ago, goes so tonight. Anything it's really, goes. It's really dangerous ground. Mm. <laughs> no, you'll fit right in, Jason. <laughs> but really, Denny's uh, is really an enjoyable show. I've seen him a few times do the entire Band on the Run album. Mm -hmm. band, and he'll, he does the first Moody Blues album that he was on, too. So, um, and then he'll sneak in some, some wing songs in there that you might be surprised to hear. Like I heard him do the note you never wrote in concert, mm -hmm. something like that, and deliver your children. So um, I'll be looking forward to that. I'm sure I'm going to be seeing the New York show, maybe Boston. The Traveling Wilburys recording of their song, End of the Line, is in the trailer for the new Tom Hanks movie, A Man Called Otto. There is supposed to be a soundtrack album coming out in January. I don't have a track listing yet. Would be nice if the Wilbury song was on it. Thanks to Scott O'Rourke, Beatle DJ, for that information. And an article that appeared in Consequence of Sound, producer Rick Rubin picked eight songs that made his Desert Island discs, of which he chose one Beatles song, which happened to be Across the Universe, which he said not only taught him the basics of songwriting, but inspired him to learn how to meditate. He says, from three years old to seven years old, the Beatles was everywhere and everywhere in my home. And it somehow imprinted what a great song is in a very deep level before I knew that I was looking for what that was. Um, also wanna let you know, I have it now in my possession. Oh, that's hmm. the back cover. <laughs> Ringo at the Greek Theater 2019. It is coming out. It's November the 25th. Two CDs and 24 tracks all together. His current band, all only with Greg Raleigh at the time, not with Edgar Winter. And I haven't listened to it yet, but I will be in the next few days and talking about that probably on my channel and here as well. Um, and a few more things. Our colleague Ken Womack has just scored a brand new interview with Klaus. I was going to say, not another book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, there's like two more. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> He's writing them now. Yep. Yeah, of course he is. <laughs> of course he is. <laughs> but if you want to hear Ken's new interview with Klaus, it's on his podcast called Everything Fab Four. One of our listeners, Bob Tavares, let me know that the November issue of Mojo Magazine is dedicated to the recording sessions for Revolver, and it comes with a small poster and CD. And our regular listener, viewer, Sue Gagney, mm -hmm. wrote to me today to let me know that Ringo plays drums on a CD by Alan Darby called Rolling Man, which was actually released earlier this year. Ringo plays on the song Deep in the Heart of Me, and Ringo was also heard in the introduction thanking Alan for letting him participate. The CD appears to be a charity release, proceeds going to Turn Up for Recovery slash uh, Crossroads. You can purchase it at this website, uh, turnupforrecovery.org slash Alan Darby, A-L-A-N-D-A-R-B-Y. Thank you, Sue, for that information. I didn't see that in Chris Engelhardt's book. Wow. Ooh. Ooh. See, I this is why he's got to continue these that the, the book series. You yeah, can't just, just yeah. You know. Yep. Yep. Susan's Chris. watching right now. So thank you, Susan. <laughs> Good scoop. And like I said, I got the title for his next book, Keep Undercover. 
keep it on the cover. There Very you go. Nice. <laughs> nice. First entry for that to add. There you go. That's all the news I got this time. All right. Thank you, Ken. Great, great stuff. All right, folks. It's time to dig in. We've uh, we've all been waiting for this a long time, as I mentioned, and, and now's the time. And as I mentioned earlier, too, uh, we've got a really special guest who will uh, has a lot to share uh, and even a show and tell, so to speak, uh, to really uh, demonstrate the mixing uh, techniques that were used on this uh, uh, this whole set, actually. Or demixing so, de is the case. Or demixing is the case <laughs> may be. You're right. You're right. So uh, so let's, let's get into it. Uh, we're first going to talk about remixing. Um, and, uh, you know, there's been quite a bit of talk um, about it. I'm sure you all know that. Um, and, uh, you know, the, what was, you know, the, the, the pros and cons of it uh, and, uh, you know, the purpose of it. So let's in just in general, let's let's start with what did you think of the remixed album? What, what were your general impressions um, of it? And I'm talking the stereo. Uh, remix. So, um, uh, so Tom, let's let's start with you. What what were your general thoughts when when you first heard it? Well, as I said on a past episode of Ken Michaels Radio, when we were doing what we thought was, you know, the best or the greatest Beatles record of all time, and this was my, you know, when I'm listening to Abbey Road, it's Abbey Road. When I'm listening to the White Album, it's the White Album. But when I'm listening to Revolver. It's it's revolver, and I think I can just just put it the end, and just I'm just going to say revolver is my favorite, and I think it is the best uh, Beatles album of all time. Now, did it need a remix? I mean, I don't know. Did any of these albums need a remix that that came? I mean, maybe maybe the the first, you know, two three, um, but I, I I mean I thought this album sounded great before, but um, I love this album. Um, I you know. There's a couple things that I had an issue with that we can talk when we go track by track or our highlights or our dislikes. But all in all, I, I thought that this was a completely different listening experience to my ears. And um, when, I, when I get these remixes, I tend to listen to them with, with headphones and headphones only. Um, just because, you know, I, I kind of want to, I can just hear what's going on differently than, than say, the 2009 um, uh, mixes but, uh, or remaster, whatever you want to call them. But uh, to me, you know, it was it was fine. It was it was a good listening experience. Um, again, a few little problems, but all in all, it, it's it's good. Yeah. You know, don't mind it. OK. All right. Uh, Joe, what about you? What were your your general thoughts when you first heard it? Well, it's twofold, because at first I listened without headphones. I never listened to my music with headphones. And uh, these the Giles Martin remixes are always a mixed bag for me. Some tracks really uh, impress me when I listen to these. Uh, same thing with Revolver, and I'm like, wow, that's that's nice. Other times, I, I just find that I'm missing things that I used to hear that are quieted down, and I'm so used to decades of listening, like where are the crash symbols on this song? Right. And where's this and where's yeah. that? So I kind of like it. It's a mixed bag. But uh, I was urged by a lot of people to listen to headphones. So I listened to it again on the headphones and a lot of the things that I hadn't been able to pick up, I heard on the headphones and I, and I really enjoyed the experience 
with the headphones. I really appreciated the new stereo mix that way. Uh, you know, although, yeah, it's great, but I don't listen to, to headphones ordinarily. So I guess if I really want to get the most out of it from me, uh, I will play it w through the headphones, the stereo mix. What I, what I personally like best is that uh, we can get into whether or not it, you should remix these things or not. Uh, for me, it's the early albums I want. I want from 63 to 65. I'm, I want to hear what they can do. But um, I'm mostly concerned personally with the vocals being more centered. I don't like so much things all over the place, uh, yeah. you know, mm. the hard panning. So that was a triumph for me, just to get the vocals where I want them. You know, kind of the mono was used as the template, right? For this, idea. yeah, yes, so. mm -hmm. yeah, and yeah, I so agree. overall, yeah. I liked, I liked it overall when I put the headphones on. Yeah, listening to it through headphones is a completely different experience. I, I completely, mm -hmm. completely agree. Uh, Ken, what about you? What were your your general thoughts? Well, I loved it from start to finish. The remix. Um, there's some things that I hate to say I might prefer over the original mix. Mm. It's tough for me to say that because I never had a problem with the original mixes. And I'm kind of surprised, you know, ever since these box sets have come out, all these Beatles fans are saying what they don't like about the original mixes. <laughs> and for me, it's, it's kind of like, you know, do you touch the Mona Lisa? There's very little that I would change about a lot of uh, Beatles mixes. But there's, I like the fact that you can hear just about everything that they recorded instrumentally here. But at the same time, I have a tough time grasping this idea. I, I, I would never want a new fan to be brought up on the remixes. I want them to be brought mm -hmm. up on the original mixes because that's how the Beatles approved them. That's how they went out originally, even though they didn't care for a long time about the stereo mixes, at least all four of them were there when it went out. And even though there are things that you hear now that you didn't hear before, was it meant to be that way? Mm -hmm. I question that sometimes. It's a revelation to hear things that you hadn't heard before. In particular, there's certain, um, you know, guitar playing that George did that wasn't really lead guitar parts. It was what he would do to company. It's, it's like a rhythm guitar part, but sort of that and lead guitar playing at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Phrases that maybe you didn't hear as well before. And it's nice to hear that. But again, are we meant to hear that? Is it always a good thing for everything to be brought up right. in the and everything clearer? You know, um, you know, it's a tough thing for me to deal with because you don't have John and George here to approve these things, but you have to rely on Yoko and Sean and Olivia and Danny and their judgment um, to represent their fathers the, and husbands. Um, but there's a few songs on here that to me are improved but still, I'm always going to love the originals, but uh, I will maintain what I've said from the very beginning. I'm kind of happy about the fact that I haven't changed this. This is one thing that has stuck with me. As long as the original mixes are out there, right. they can do whatever they yeah. want to with remixes. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Will, they can remaster this catalog 10 times and I'll be happy. <laughs> Remastering, I never have a problem with. Remix, yeah. Remixes are another animal altogether. And yeah. I'm always going to question you know, whether or not John and George would have approved this, you know, they could be very fussy about these things, you never know. But um, that's, that's one thing that bothers me about this whole process, but you can't do anything about that, unfortunately. Um, but 
you know, overall, sonically, it's fantastic. You know, it's incredible to listen to in the headphones. But, um, you know, I just like Joe, the one problem I've ever had is is I don't like lead vocals in one channel. Yeah, I've never liked it. Yeah. It was fine back in the 60s if you bought a stereo where the speakers were a few feet apart. When you've got a good stereo system and you've got a lot of separation, it's more like karaoke Beatles when you listen to, <laughs> you know, seriously, with a lead vocal in one channel. I don't like that at all. Oh, I but, agree. Um, when that's corrected, well, I'm happy about that. Yeah, um, yeah you, you brought up something interesting, Ken, too, about the other camps, whether the, the John and George camp and whether or not they're getting or Giles is getting any kind of instruction from them to to maybe bring something up or, or take something away. Um, you know, we were talking about that before we went live where, I mean, is, is Giles, you know, it seems like he's not free to do whatever he wants. I mean, he is working for them still. But um, is is he getting instructions from from the four camps in you know to to present us rather than just going in there and, and doing what he thinks might be right? Yeah, that's a it is a good point. Hmm. Paul yeah. and Ringo, I think, are getting uh, maybe some say in there. I like oh, that yeah. the drums on all of these the drums are enhanced. That's Me one too. thing, especially going back to the earliest albums. I always feel Ringo's drums are too quiet too muted i'm hoping that they can do something with those and really boost that up to hear more the skins more absolutely mm. all right jason i'm dying to hear what were your <laughs> first impressions and and tell us what you thought well so i meant to send you this uh and i i just didn't have time to find the clip but there's an interview with george martin in the early 80s <clears throat> where he told a story um sometime in the 50s he was recording a scottish choir and he had recorded them in stereo and he had, he had, had the engineer he worked with the engineer to get it so that you could hear every individual voice across the stereo spectrum and he was so proud of this and the choir director comes in and he hears the here's the playback and he's and he says mr martin i've spent my entire life trying to get them to sound as one voice and you've just ruined it all you've undone all of that and the reason I tell that story is because whether you're in stereo or whether you're in mono, I think this, this is, you know, personal philosophy, but you want to mix to hit you all at once. You don't want to go have, you know, a bunch of little things going on because you, you sort of lose the impact and that, you know, that was John Lennon's point about evolution in stereo is that, yeah. is it took all the power out of it. You know, the mono mix for him was, was the one that just sort of, punches you in the face and is like you sit up and you pay attention to that but you know even in stereo i think you can achieve that so with that in mind i will say overall i i think it is a more balanced album about a balanced mix and i've always thought the original had problems because of you know they're limited to four track so they're panning vocals to one side or they're you know they have to separate things in kind of an, a natural way which is not how we you know we hear things um, like you say, we expect to see the to have the vocal in the middle. That just makes sense, and to have the drums in the middle. Those, those seem to to be reasonable ways for mixing things. But the other side of that is that we do on occasion lose some of that power, some of that punch. But you know, I, we can go through. Everybody can go through and nitpick every mix, and we'll probably do a little bit of that later. But I think, you know, overall, I'm glad it was remixed. I'm glad that the ADT has been kind of toned down because that made, especially I'm only sleeping. They still kept some of that, but it, it made the original mix 
I, I use the word smeary. It, it just seems like it's unfocused and it's, and maybe, you know, that's good for the song, but it always bugged me, especially on headphones, because you put them on and you just have like this smear of sound across the soundstage. And, you know, if you're not listening on headphones, maybe it's not such a big deal. Maybe you listen to your car, you're, you know, sort of have it playing in the background, little things like that, or, you know, panning the toms on got to get you into my life hard over to one side where the snares are in the center. It's, it's sort of like, okay, you've, you've alerted me to the fact that you're mixing this. You've sort of put yourself in the, in the middle of this uh, experience and kind of taken me out of it. Those, but those are, like I said, those are nitpicks. I think overall, I, I like to hear the detail and I'm an advocate for remixing everything you possibly can. As long as, you know, like Ken says, if the originals are out there and you can refer to those, that's great. There's always going to be stuff that I want to change on these remixes. I think anybody who's spent any time with these recordings and sort of taken them into your nervous systems like we have, and people have, who've lived with this for 50, 60 years, I mean, you're used to the sound of these recordings. It's going to be hard, going to be a hard break from that. Hmm. But I think, you know, I think overall, I think the casual listener is, is not really going to pay attention to that. So I, I sort of look at it as like, okay, this is my response to it, but I also have to think about how other people are going to look at this and other situations people are going to be listening, listening to this record in. And, you know, I said this before we started, Giles has got to walk a ridiculous line for these things. <laughs> and who knows what he's facing behind the scenes. And, uh, you know, he's not going to please everybody. That's, that's mm. just a fact. You know, we can say, oh, well, the bass isn't punchy enough. And I agree with some of that too. Or we can say, you know, I don't like the way this is panned or this is kind of a like what? That's a ridiculous choice. But, you know, everybody's going to have a different opinion about every song. Some people may say, oh, I really love that that guitar is panned from one side to the other on I Want to Tell You. Now, it's like that's a cool effect to some people. So, um, you know, he's not going to make everybody happy. And I, you know, I understand that. I have some opinions, certainly, about the outtakes. But um, again, you know, not my call. And I realize that he's got to he's got to walk a line there, too. So that that's my, you know, just sort of first response after having listened to this five or six times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only five or six times. <laughs> well, of course, of course. Right. Now, before we get into which mixes we liked, which we didn't, um, Jason, I, I thought you could give us uh, some insider info as to how these were done you know i guess that the, that's part of the story of this is is how these remixes were accomplished and on i know you have some particular uh insight into that so right and we, and we, we have some some examples that, that we can play too but yes uh you know we were talking earlier ken was talking about we're, we're just, i guess in general just talking about four track and why certain things were done the way they were done you know four track at the time for them seemed like a tremendous luxury after they're working on two track, but they, you know, each of these tracks is piled up with two or usually three or four parts. So you have very dense layered arrangements, even on a four track, and it gets even, even deeper on Sgt. Pepper and Magical Mystery Tour. You still got four track. And it's a, so you have, you know, four, maybe three or four elements on each track. So that's maybe 10, 12 sounds that you have to deal with on four tracks. Where do you put these? You know, how do you how do you plan this? So there's a lot of planning that went in to how to record these, how to arrange these on the tape, and then how to mix it so all those elements came out. And that's one of the things about the drums is that you'll hear 
overdubs of like a snare part uh, on, on one track. And it's just to bring out the, the drums because they've been drowned out by other overdubs. And in mixing, they want to they make sure they still have that beat. So they were doing, they were compromising a lot just to get these mixes to sound decent. So I think being able to now go back to this and because of the, the new technology that's developed over the last few years, to be able to go back to this and say, okay, we can now break these tracks down. We can take these three or four elements and we can break them apart. And, and you know, then we, can, then we can hear things more clearly. I think that's very exciting. I think, you know, to do that to an extreme degree is probably gonna be distracting and we don't really need it to be, everything to be that discreet. But I think, you know, it, it opens up possibilities for, especially Rubber Soul. That's, you know, that's, that is a weird mix from the get-go. I mean, it's instruments on one side, vocals on the other side for the most part. And it's, a, it's just a weird listening experience. So that's just a rough overview of why these recordings sounded the way they did in the first place. And then to get to where we are, where we're remixing, do you want to talk now about the sort of the technology that we're discussing here? Sure. Yeah. Why don't we get into that? And then we can get into our pros and, you know, what, what we liked, what we didn't like. Because I think, right. yeah, talking about the technology of it, I think really gives an insight, you know, right. further insight to just how complicated this was. Right, right. So it, it uh, a lot of people listening probably know um, the technology they're using is what Peter Jackson used on the, the Get Back project, which was developed by let me let me make sure I get his name right because this is the guy I think that we his his name we need to be mentioning a lot, Emile Delarey. Let me make sure, D E L A R E Y. Emile Delarey. He's the one who really developed the software. He's a mixing engineer, and he was the one that 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 developed. We call it AI. It's it's a basically it's a lot of computing power to sort of mimic how the human brain analyzes things and like we can we can listen to something and pick the drums out or pick the bass out or pick the guitar out these are computers that are being trained to be able to do that algorithms that are trained to say okay well that's a drum let's pull that out of the mix that's a voice and they are training it specifically on Beatles recordings so it their algorithm can distinguish between John's voice and George's voice and Paul's voice. They can, since they've trained specifically on drums and not just the Beatles drums, but just the way I understand it, they have data sets where they're studying the sounds of drums and they also have the Beatles drum tracks. They, uh, Giles apparently played this at his, at several of his presentations about, about the album. It wasn't just isolating Ringo's drums, it's isolating Ringo's snare, his hi-hat, his cymbals, his toms, his kick drum. It's taking the whole set apart individually clearly enough that you can isolate each of those elements. So if you listen to Got to Get You Into My Life on headphones, you'll hear the snare in the center, you'll hear the tambourine off to the side a little bit, and you'll hear the toms over off to like way off to the side, uh, which is why the, this, is, this is how they've been able to accomplish that. So this technology though is not just exclusive to uh, the Get Back Get Back project. This has existed for a few years. One of the, I guess, most well-known is called Spleeter, and it was developed by a streaming service called Deezer, which is similar to Spotify. And they, they, there, and there are other, um, other companies that do this, but they 
offer the software to initially offer the software to artists who maybe didn't have access to the multis or the multi-tracks had been lost. So they want to remix something or maybe bring the vocals out or bring the drums out. And they made they make they made this software available so that artists could do that. Now, Splitter is sort of generally available to everybody. And it's been developed and other other programs have been built on top of that. And most of these are all commercially available. There's a, there's a website that I use called MVSEP, which has a lot of these listed and you can just upload your files and sort of pick some options and it spits back out to you, you know, various isolations. You can say, I just want to focus on the vocals. I want to pull just the, you know, just the guitar out. It's fairly limited in terms of, you know, it's not going to pull out, you know, the, the tuba or the French horn from, you know, a brass band recording. It's not that sophisticated, but it's sophisticated enough to, as, as we'll see with these examples. And I guess we should, we should maybe Let play the first one. Yeah. Oh, just okay. to show you what, what I was able to do with just algorithm that I had not trained. I just fed, I just fed the original mono recording into it. And this is what came out. All right. Do you okay. want to, uh, do you want to introduce this or? Yeah. So this is, this is, uh, I believe this is, um, so she loves you is mixed to mono. There are no multi-tracks existing on this. They were, they were junked in 1964, I guess the song was recorded in 63, but they were thrown away soon after that. So remixing it up to this point has been impossible because there are just no tracks to work with. You have a mono mix with the vocals and the instruments all on one track. And so this is an isolation of just the band, just the instrumentation without the vocals. You can hear there are little subtle dropouts where the vocals sometimes overlap. And what this, what these algorithms are doing are essentially analyzing frequencies. And since these are not trained, and you can you can actually get desktop versions of these that you can train yourself, some of these, which you know, tremendous amount of work. I don't really want to put that time into it, but some Beatle fan somewhere is probably gonna do that at some point. Um, <laughs> But you can you can sort of hear how the frequencies are over, overlapping, and so you're you're losing a little bit here and there. So this you know it's it's not perfect, but just this is just to sort of demonstrate what's possible from a consumer point of view. So then we you know from there we can take out just the guitar. So again, you can hear dropouts, you can hear where the, the frequencies are overlapping. But what these algorithms do pretty well consistently is drums. So we'll play the drums from She Loves You. This is again from the same mono mix, just isolated. Mm -hmm. 
again, not perfect, but way better than we've been able to do prior to this. About 15 years ago, I remember reading a, as I can't, I, I tried to find the website to see if I could refresh my memory, but it was a similar process to this. It was an algorithm. It was, you know, cr they created a neural net and they were trying to separate two women's voices on an opera recording, just solo, solo voices that were mixed into mono. And just to demonstrate the capabilities of the technology at the time and what was coming. And they successfully separated both voices with very little artifacting, very, very little in the way of, of uh, dropouts and noise. Wow. So when I read that, I thought, okay, this is coming eventually. I don't know how fast it's going to be here, but they were, there were, there were people who programmers who were already developing that technology 15 years ago. The fact that, you know, Peter Jackson's people have developed this to the point that they have, they have tons of resources. They have, you know, tons of computing power that, that we don't have access to. They've developed it a lot faster and a lot more surgically than you know, anybody else has been able to do just because of the, the money they have at, at, their, at their disposal. So Good Day Sunshine is sort of my special pet project here since it's been left off the box set because Giles didn't think it was worth including. And you know, he may have a point, you can listen for yourself. This is the basic track isolated from the original stereo mix. And it's just piano, drums, and you'll hear a little bit of a very subtle guitar. I know the box set says that it's a bass, I believe. But see what you think. See, see if you think it sounds like a bass or if it sounds like a guitar with the, the tone knob uh, rolled off. It's very subtle, but do you guys hear it? Did you hear what I was talking about? Sounds like a bass to me. Yeah. Okay. There's, I, I did an isolation where I pulled it even further out and it, I, I just didn't include that because I, you know, we have a limited time. Anyway, we can move on to the next one. Okay. So this is now, if this comes across properly, it should come across in stereo. This is just the backing vocals for Here, There and Everywhere, which is taken from the Atmos channels, the rear, the rear channels isolated. There are some instruments that are mixed into that, but this was, I ran this through one of the demixing programs and it took out the instruments really cleanly. And so all you're left with are the vocals. Ooh. 
Um, <laughs> we we we're not playing. People will probably notice we're not playing anything that has lyrics uh, because I don't want you to get a copyright strike. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> but um, if I've been sharing tracks on Twitter that like. 30 second minute long tracks that have the, the isolated uh, lead vocals and backing vocals. Jason. Yes. Uh, real quick. Can you, can you talk uh, you're getting these from the Atmos uh, mixes that those were like the download stuff, right? Well, the, the, yeah, the, um, the here, there and everywhere is specifically from that. These other ones are, that was, that okay. was the only one I've, that was the only one I'm playing. I'm sharing tonight from, okay. from those. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. But I was going to say, if you go to my Twitter, PT Beatles, I'm sharing these 30 second to a minute clips of the vocals because there won't be a copyright strike. And you can listen to those there in, in stereo if they're available. I'm, try, I'm trying to mix the entire album, just a vocals only version of that, so that we'll be able to hear each track just to kind of have an alternate mix. And the, you know, as you can, as you can hear from that, the vocals are really beautiful and their harmonies are incredible. I always say that the Beatles were fantastic harmony singers, which often gets overlooked. And Rubber Soul is a great uh, vocal harmony album, which has been, one, when they remix that, I really hope that's brought out because that's something that um, I feel like has been lost in, in the old mixes. We haven't really heard how lush and gorgeous that album can sound. Great. Uh, so do we want to talk about the controversy with Rain at sure. the- Hey, we're right here. Let's do it. Yeah, this is, this is fascinating, folks. This is some of my favorite stuff here. <laughs> so what do you guys think? I mean, you've, you've heard this, and so people's reactions have been varied. It's, it's a little background for the people who are listening who may not be familiar with this. The Beatles um, in 1966 began experimenting with uh, various speed recordings. So they would record something fast and then slow it down, whether it's instruments or vocals, or they would record things at one speed and then speed it up. Maybe, you know, they did this a lot with vocals. And the effect was to change the texture of the recording. Um, and something like, was it maybe 12 of the songs out of the 16 they recorded during these sessions had various speed of some sort on them and even more on Sgt. Pepper. So it was, it was something they were doing specifically to manipulate texture and sound and to reflect some of the experiences they were, they were having with um, with drugs, obviously. Um, no. Yeah. And so, first Lane. Time, first, yeah. First time I heard the actual speed, I for a second there, I was listening. Oh, this is the birth of heavy metal, right? right. <laughs> well, that's as, as close as Ringo's going to come to Keith Moon, maybe. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So I had, I had for the longest time thought that it was so that the track that we're all used to hearing is roughly in about G because when they they slowed it down. They weren't being specific about the pitch. They were sort of going for feel. And, um, but I thought it was recorded in A because sped back from G to A, it sounded pretty fast, but from up to B flat, a half step higher, it really sounded just, I thought it was impossible. But now that this is out and I'm listening to it again, and as we're gonna hear uh, with the isolations that I've got, it's, it starts to sound more plausible, but so we're going to play a bit of take five with the bass, which is the one on the box, which I think has, has really puzzled a lot of people. It just seems so dramatically fast. And I think it's the bass that's throwing a lot of people. So let's, let's play a little bit of that. One, two. <laughs> 
It sounds really fast. <laughs> um, my friend Eric, who I think is watching, mentioned to me, he said, he said um, it does sound fast, but he also hears that it, Paul sounds a little sloppy and Paul is not one to be sloppy. You know, he, if he's at, if he's playing at pitch uh, at speed, he's going to nail it. And so, you know, it makes sense that, that it's, it's so much faster and that he, you know, he's having trouble keeping up because it is at such a, it's such a fast pace. But I think it's certain that the drums and the guitar, which, which, which was the actual basic track, it was just drums and guitar, the, the bass was overdubbed. Those were recorded at B, in B flat. So we're going to hear the drums at regular speed. And you can hear how it really doesn't sound that fast anymore. guys think i mean did that sound more plausible than uh yeah that's interesting to me it sounded it didn't sound as fast as i thought it did all together when you yeah. hear it all, all, all together when it's isolated like that yeah so that's I think it's still a touch i think it may be a touch quicker than what he would normally play but uh oh, for sure yeah i, yeah. I mean it, it's faster for sure yeah. but yeah. it doesn't sound superhuman or impossible no yeah mm. the bass is what makes it sound super yeah. fast yeah. yeah makes a big difference so I, isol I isolated the guitar too, so we can hear that just on its own. And again, that doesn't sound, you know, I, I could play this um, and I'm not a great guitar Guitars, it felt like they were the slowest of the three. Yeah. Those are some fascinating uh, examples. And it's amazing what, you know, you could do. I mean, the, the software you mentioned, I mean, that's not, yeah. you know, super expensive uh, software. No, no, this this is all available for free. Uh, you can, you know, feed your files into it. It, it. it does different things for different files. And you have to play with it a little bit to find sort of just the right recipe, um, but, you know, pretty straightforward. And you know, it's just, just sort of an example of what we can do as consumers mm -hmm. to upload and isolate things. And, you know, DJs are using these tools um, and they're probably doing their own manipulations and their own, their own machine training to be able to get what they want to get. But just, just as an example of what we can do now, because Peter Jackson's people have trained their algorithms specifically on Beatles recordings. They have much, much, much more power to isolate these things much more cleanly than, than we just demonstrated there. Like those are okay, but they're not nearly as clean as, uh, as what we hear on revolver. And there, there's, there is a little bit of artifacting on revolver. Some people have already pointed that out, mm -hmm. but I think 
by and large, it's it's a huge leap than what we've had before. We're, we're seeing, um, you know, big, big jump in technology. Yeah. And you say the uh, the AI technology, was that created prior to Peter Jackson starting to work on Get Back? Yeah, it's been uh, like Spleter was was created by Deezer. I don't forget. I don't remember what year they started that, but this has been around. This has been sort of kicking around in development for at least a decade, if not longer. Um, what's the difference then oh i'm sorry go ahead i didn't mind the the algorithms are all sort of basically working the same they're analyzing frequencies and they're 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 not just analyzing your frequency but they're doing it in a way that is intended to mimic how our brains can can pick out frequencies so if we you know if we hear john and paul singing together if if we're familiar with their voices we can sort of determine okay well that's john singing that that's paul singing that if you know if you listen carefully they're right. they're training their computers to to think like a human brain basically yeah and what about the the guitar hero game i mean cuz people got a lot of isolated stuff from that game too didn't they yeah i mean is that the same kind of uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, yeah it's a similar type of thing that was developed at abbey road it was a proprietary software they were using there sort of it's working on a similar principle i don't know that it's i don't know that it's the same algorithm i don't know if it's, it's just sort of the same foundation but it's all working in a, in a similar way the rock band stuff has they're working from both multi-tracks and then for older songs where they don't have maybe isolated guitars and drums um, that's when they had to use those the separation software and it you know some things work better than others a lot of the rubber soul tracks in isolation sound pretty terrible um you know and and i've tried remixing them and combining them and it just it really doesn't work whatever they whatever they used on those tracks was really uh pretty destructive interesting thank you yeah okay wow well that was really fascinating i mean just to show what you could do even just with that kind of software and imagine what they used with peter jackson's software yeah you know where you have to teach it yeah, obviously, hmm. to recognize different voices. And, and I mean, what you said about even recognizing, for example, Ringo's drum kit, the different symbols, the different times, I mean, just the individual pieces, that is incredible. I mean, I, you know, I hadn't even thought about it being that specific, but of course, I yeah. mean, that, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So, it's, know. yeah, it's really, it's like I said, it's a huge leap. And I think in the next 10 years, we're going to see things even even you know more dramatic because mm-hmm. because you know as you know technology develops exponentially it's not linear so we build on what happened what came before and it just it ex- it expands at such a faster rate yeah mm, absolutely um mm. so let's talk a bit about now that we've learned a bit about how this works um and uh, how the remixing process works let's talk a little bit about some of the specific uh, remixes um what were some of the ones uh the, some just a, a, co- a few specific songs that you thought particularly benefited uh from the remixing um so uh so joe what what were uh, you know a couple of songs that really stood out for you that, that well i was cool? listening for eleanor rigby just because i i I wanted Paul's voice mainly to be more centered. I didn't want to have that awkward situation where it kind of like goes off. I forget exactly how to describe it. When he starts singing Eleanor, the first Eleanor kind of goes over. I I kind of didn't want that. So I was really happy with that. I thought uh, besides his voice being so prominent, 
you know, you had you had uh, sharp and clear orchestration. I thought that was enhanced really well. That was the one that stuck out for me. Even before I put the headphones on, I was listening to which is regularly, and I, you know, I could just pick other ones. A yellow submarine, I thought was a really nice job. Uh, I'm only sleeping, Doctor Robert. I mean, you know, I, certain certain songs like Doctor Robert. I mean, you know, it's a song where I always, you know, I like almost all Beatles songs pretty much, but I don't think very much Doctor Robert say. But this time, it really stood out to me. Uh, through this, and especially with the take seven, I think it was, which we'll get to maybe another time. I got a new appreciation for for uh, Dr. Robert through this, and got to get you into my life. Also, you know, really, really uh, powerful and rock. It shows you what a great rock song it is. You know, a pop rock, but you know, you hear this stuff so many times, it becomes burned into your brain. Yeah. And you think, yeah, yeah, I know Revolver. I mean, it's Revolver. I, I, I know it. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but when you hear this, it's like, wow, that sounds really different. Like, different to a point, stronger, more enhanced. And w- while we know that Revolver was a very innovative uh, album, a change for them, really them exploring and trying different things, it's almost taken for granted. I know that. We've come to learn that and accept it. But boy, hearing this... It's almost like I'm rediscovering it, and that also goes for the for the extras mm-hmm. too. Yeah. This really is an experimental album. You, I don't know if I'm wording it the way I want to word it. It's like, yeah, we know that. We, it's taken for granted that this was a, a, an influential and experimental Beatles album uh, for its time. Yeah, but now I'm hearing every little piece of it, step by step, and it, it just really blows me away, as if it's. Yeah. I'm just discovering that it was a new trippy album. Well, and that's great because I mean that is, you know, hopefully that what this box is encouraging everyone to do is to really rediscover, reappreciate how you know revolutionary this album was. And, and, and so, I do have one disappointment, but I, I at some point would like to address. But maybe oh I'll yeah, that we'll get to that in a minute. Yep. So <laughs> hang on to that. Hang on to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, Ken, how about you? Were there were there uh, you know a couple of particular remixes that stood out for you? Well, I think I might repeat what Joe's saying, but Eleanor Rigby definitely. Um, the original stereo mix had Paul his lead vocal on on uh, the right channel, and the all the only people were in both channels. And the string parts were the same in both channels, but now Paul's lead vocal is in both channels. And um, the string parts are in separate channels answering each other, which I found to be very interesting. Um, So I like that effect. Um, Also, I love Got To Get You Into My Life because the very beginning in the stereo mix, the horns are in the right channel. And now they're in both channels. So it's much more powerful that way. Um, sometimes a lot of it just has to do with lead vocals now being centered. And that's the case with Yellow Submarine. Ringo's lead vocals were in the right channel and the harmonies were in the right channel. The bass drum was in the left channel. Um, now Ringo's lead vocals and the harmonies are centered. Um, still don't understand what they, you know, the, the mono Yellow Submarine starts with the guitar underneath when Ringo starts the song in the town but the stereo didn't have it. And now they put it on this stereo mix. You know, there's a guitar, there's, there's a chord that gets played on the very first, you know, note, the first word that Ringo sings, 
but it's not in the stereo mix and now they put it in the stereo remix i don't understand the reasoning behind that but mm. who knows but definitely eleanor rigby and and uh got to get you into my life are highlights for me yeah absolutely uh tom what about you what uh, what were a couple highlights for you well, the question I have for our, for you for I mean, was does this seem like a a louder listening experience to you guys as well? Yes. I mean, I felt like as soon as that's part you know, of part of what I think they're trying to do, you know, mo right. almost like modernize it, like that, yeah. like modernize right. if you want to call right. it that. Well, it, so, it's com it's compressed. It's if you okay. look at the waveforms, it is definitely compressed. Right. Um, the only the only version I've seen of that that isn't like that are the uh, surround the Atmos channels. And mm. those have a lot of headroom. So um, not to get into graphs and charts and everything, but um, I can hear the difference. Some, yeah. you know, some people are like, oh, whatever, it, you know, this revolver, it just, right. you know, but um, yeah, so they have definitely made it louder. They're, they, they're right. thinking in mind that it has to be competitive with other, other modern artists on Spotify yes. who have had right. their mixes, you know, pumped up and compressed and no dynamic range, which, you know, Personally, I don't think that's a good idea, but, um, you know. But and then the good. other question I have, too, for you, then, is like the, the backing vocals, for 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 example, uh, let's say for here, there and everywhere. Now, the backing vocals I, I hear, is it because they turned it up volume wise or did they turn it up in the mix or is that the same thing? It's so that's the same thing. If they if they okay. if they've pushed them up in the mix, um, then you're you know, you're going to hear them louder okay i think okay. probably because they are the the whole song is mixed differently um mm. in the in the original you've got the vocals on both sides and you've got the instruments mostly in the middle okay um and now that everything is spread across the stereo spectrum it i think the original mix sounded kind of thin mm -hmm. and i think some of what you're probably hearing is that it's a fuller sound so everything right. sounds, sounds right. a little more because pumped up. Right, because when I listen to For No One, I, I feel like the music is almost kind of level with Paul's vo vocals now, in a way, yeah, yeah. Um, which I, I enjoy, um, like like Joe and Ken, uh, Eleanor Rigby, um, I love you get the violins in, the, in one ear, the cellos in the other ear, I thought that was just, just excellent. Um, you know, the two at the two minute mark for I'm only sleeping for me was probably price of administration, <laughs> price of, you know, that 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 yawn. I just thought yeah. just little things yeah, like that, <laughs> little yeah. things like that is just worth it. Um, or that's what I'm kind of looking for in a way. We we all know that they bury some stuff from time mm -hmm. to time. Right. Mm -hmm. And 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 that just, you know, being to hear it very clearly uh, was great. Um uh, yeah, the waves in, in, in Yellow Submarine were a little more clear, yeah. uh, in my opinion. And um, uh, yeah, for no one, too. Again, um, you know, Paul's vocals uh, on this uh, really shine, for, in my opinion. Um, exactly. And same with the bass and, and drums, too. Obviously, part of the drumming on another song that we can get to, with the, which is a disappointment, you know, for me. But uh mm -hmm. But yeah, for the most part, yeah, Eleanor Rigby was excellent, um, and for no one, she said she said, uh, except for one little thing, uh, but other than that, you know, pretty good. Not little for me. Yeah. <laughs> if we're talking about, if we're talking about the yeah. same thing. No, but no, it's a big deal, yeah, but but still, I, I kind of appreciate what they did with the other part of the song, it's just taking away one aspect of the song right, that was right. really disappointing. 
Yeah, I've got to say, when you talked about the yawn, and I talked about this on, on Joe's Fab Gab show, where, where yeah. we, we talked about, I, I literally jumped, yeah. you know, yeah. when I heard that yawn. I mean, I couldn't believe how, I mean, I'd never <laughs> noticed it that much before. I mean, that that was right. amazing. Um, and I'll just say, I agree with much of, of what you said, and uh, and your bird can sing was a highlight for me, too. I thought that really just just jumped out for the speakers just had a had a great uh great just fullness to it you know made me appreciate the song even more i i just that was mm -hmm. a, that was a highlight for me as well uh jason what about you were there were there a couple of songs that really stood out for you yeah for sure i mean eleanor rigby i agree mm -hmm. um the the vocals are more balanced now the uh the string octet is it, it i mean Jeff Emmerich mic'd it extremely close. He had the, you know, the the microphones right up near the near the strings, um, near near the bridge. So it has that really, really intimate sound where you can hear every little nuance, all the scrapes against the um, of the bows against the strings. And you really hear that here. I think more than any other mix I've ever heard. The the Yellow Submarine song track in 1999 has a mix, but it just doesn't sound that it, I mean it really it, you see where it, you know. The influence from Psycho comes from because yes. it really stabs, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's great. Um, I I think for no one is a much more balanced mix now. You can hear the clavichord yeah. clearly. Um, it's not buried with the piano, and it just it just that that to me is very is was very satisfying. So I also like Andrew Bird can sing, and mm -hmm. the, the 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 mix of the horns and the instrumentation on got to get you into my life is fantastic it's just it really has that has a, a punch to it now um because you know because you can now bring everything out and the fact that those horns were recorded in stereo even though they had four tracks so they're bouncing things down to accommodate those horns um you know now that we can hear that that's just great it's just like it surrounds you it's you know it, again it's much more balanced mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm. I agree. And yes, I, I totally agree um, with Eleanor Rigby. Those, yeah, the psycho strings yeah. really come through. I mean, they, I agree, just have the, the <laughs> feel that stabbing kind of motion. Yeah, the strings just come through uh, yeah. just so much more clearly. I mean, even more than before, I agree. So, all right, since we're, we're running low on time, I'm just going to give you guys, I know you, you all want to go through it and really pick through the uh, what you didn't like about the the remixes so we're only gonna have time what is one song that really <laughs> bothered you okay i know you want to i know you want to mention more i know you do no, no we no, want to no. get time we want to have time to at least touch on the, right. the outtakes so outtakes, so i'm gonna have sure. to cut it down so one song that really bothered you so, so Joe, I know you were really know you're raring gonna, you're to go. You were raring uh, to was, go. So go I ahead. Was, remember, I'm on Talk More Talk now, not my own channel. <laughs> calm about it. Uh, no, she said. She said a major disappointment for me. Um, where are the symbol crashes, Ringo? That to me, that makes the song. Ringo goes smash, smash. You know, after every line or whatnot. And uh, very subdued. I didn't hear them much at all. But then later, as I said, I listened with headphones and I said, oh, they're there. Just right. to me, but subdued, I thought. And also when I put the headphones on, that's when I discerned, which I 
kind of liked a little. I don't think everybody did. The guitars, again, I'm not, uh, I'm not a musician, so I'm not really, you know, technically, uh, you know, good at this. But the guitars sounded different, like I'd never heard them before. With the, I saw some of them, uh, and, and but that was a not a bad thing. You know, I like John's voice in it. Uh, the only thing that that got me was that while the rest of Ringo's drums were really good and vibrant, I missed those real uh, echoey yep. cymbal crashes that kind of drove the point home, you know, kind of thing. And uh, when I had the headphones on, uh, I also thought another song I love, Anya Bergenstein, I, I thought for some reason, is it just me, that maybe the vocals were not as upfront as all the other songs, I thought it was slightly, ever so slightly buried. I went, ah, I wanted to hear John a little bit more vibrant on that. That's it. Okay. Mm. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Okay, Tom, what, uh, what, what? Same. Got to same, you. Same. Same. One? Yeah. Same. She says. She said. Uh, it was just so looking forward to hearing uh, just some crashes, you know, on that, uh, on that song from Ringo, and it was just. just very underwhelmed uh with that now i'm sure he had his reasonings for doing that uh or instructions or whatever but for my ears it was it was very disappointing um and yeah you hear it but it, it the other you hear it but it's it's very low it's not as uh in your face as i felt it, it had been in, in in you know on the 2009 and um other than that uh you know i'm, I'm more or less pleased with Pleased with the rest of it. I thought that uh, Paul's bass was a little hidden. And uh, I want to tell you uh, at first, but then once I, you know, heard him on it with the headphones, I I heard it clear and uh, was 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 fine with that. So, but yeah, just she said, she said for me. Okay. And since you mentioned it, I'll just bring up, I want to tell you was the disappointment for me. I, mm. I uh, didn't like Ringo's, the mix on Ringo's drums. I thought they sounded more muddled because I really love the sound on them on the original version mm. that kind of, I don't know. Mm. The, the technical term, Jason, you're going to roll your eyes, but, uh, but I don't know, that kind of, I don't know, doink, doink kind of sound to them. Uh, just had a different, uh, really different tone, and I love that. And they just sound muffled to me on, on this mix. And also, I couldn't believe they faded out a little fast. Uh, and so you miss that wonderful melisma that that paul does at the end i mean it's kind of cut yeah. off and like why would you do that yeah. <laughs> that's one of the yeah. best parts of the song so that was the disappointment the biggest disappointment for me so uh, so jason what was uh, what was a disappointment for you well i'm gonna pull out a dark horse here um no pun and, intended. And, yes, <laughs> and and say love you too which um mm. i know a lot of people have have a difficult time with george's uh uh Indian influenced uh, songs, but the this one to me was really lacking power um, after these the introductory uh, part with the sitar. Um, in the original mix, it just comes blasting in. It's just really a, a strong entry, and here it it's it's subdued. It doesn't do that, and there's some backward guitar parts that that in the original mix also have some real punch to them. Um, you know they 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 are really emphatic. They 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 sort of you know reach out and they're making a point in that particular moment in the song. So for me that was the big disappointment. I I like the you know the overall stereo spread the mix, but I I feel like some elements were just pulled back a little too far. Interesting. Okay. 
Fair enough. And Ken, how about you? What, was there a particular disappointment? Well, I tell you, I'm going to have to listen more carefully based on what you guys have said. <laughs> Very critical of she said, she said. Mm -hmm. I value and love you too. But mm -hmm. um, the only thing that really bothered me at all was Good Day Sunshine. And I like most of what was done with the song, but at the very end, the last chord is not there. Mm. It's abruptly, if you listen very carefully. Um, yeah, it just, it, there's, um, there's, the last chord doesn't sustain like it did in the original. Mm. It just ends abruptly. And I don't know if that, if, I mean, if there was any reasoning behind that. Um, but overall, I, I've been pretty pleased with the remix, you know, but uh, maybe I should be more critical. You teach me to be more critical. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think, I mean, this, I think it's all, this is all, I'm approaching this very good naturedly. I'm not being hypercritical and, and like nitpicking this. I think, mm -hmm. sure, if I want to do that, I can go down that road, but life's too short. You know, I want to enjoy this yeah. music. Right. And, um, and, and, you know, I think, I think like you said, um, it's it's sort of getting us to hear this stuff for the first time, even yes. if even if it's off and it's like, oh, wait, that symbol isn't where I, you know, it's not as strong as I expected it to be, you know, uh, like like Joe was saying, um, I, you know, it kind of makes you sit up and pay attention. And so if if you think, OK, well, maybe this isn't perfect. It is it is kind of making us pay attention in a weird way. I'm not saying that's a good thing necessarily or a bad thing. I'm just saying it's a thing. And you know, if it, if it is making us sort of pay attention and think about this, you know, maybe that is a good thing, that it's making us pay attention and and sort of sit up to this thing that we've become accustomed to all these years, and we're, you know, we're hearing it with fresh ears. Mm -hmm. So, you know, whether you're critical or whether you hate it and you say, oh, Giles is destroying, you know, Beatles legacy or, um, you know, they're, they're repainting the Mona Lisa or whatever, um, you know, I, I think it's, I don't, I don't want to go down that, that too critical road. You know, yeah. that's, that's just not, I don't, I'm way past that point in my, you know, listening experience. I feel like we have the originals. Um, there are a lot yeah. of good things in these mixes and I want to focus on, you know, the, the good stuff in these, these box sets. Cause there is a lot of good stuff. Mm -hmm. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, you can overanalyze. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> and you can analyze like, yourself the reason by, for what he did on certain things. Like I, when the white album box set came out and at the very end of Helter Skelter, I've got blisters on my fingers was in the distance. Yeah, you know, ruined. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. You know, just oh, no, oh, the, the piano, the piano missing on a day in the life, you know, is uh, is one of those kind of head scratchers, you know. Um, yeah. So I agree. I mean, I agree with you. There are definitely things we can nitpick and I think they're legitimate concerns about some of these mixes but um yep um I'm, oh go ahead sorry i was gonna say i don't really have anything you know super super critical to say about these mixes mm. yep yeah absolutely uh before we go on to just uh, briefly go over the uh uh the outtakes uh just a quick question for you jason from one of our viewers woodland mm -hmm. goblin who we we all uh, <laughs> we all know uh, uh youtuber uh, uh vinyl from the vinyl community and we all know him um which uh, he says, can you explain why the symbols are low on She Said, She Said? Why do you think they are? 
I think it was just a mixing decision. And, you know, I can't tell you what Giles was, think, was thinking uh, or Sam O'Kell was thinking, but, you know, that was their decision to, to mix it in that way. Um, and, you know, I haven't compared it to the mono mix. Maybe they were looking at the mono mix and going, okay, well, this is how the symbols were on the mono mix. Maybe this is the balance we Good need point. to go for. Yeah, I was yeah. going to suggest I, that. I think maybe there's a lot of similarities. Some of the things that bugged me, quote, were yeah. on the mono mix original. To yeah. Mm. So, you know, they have been using that. And on Pepper, they used them as uh, as references. So, you know, that, that may be the reason. Yeah. Good point. The reason. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, we're not going to have time to go over the outtakes as much as we'd like, but of course we can't, you know, end this uh, conversation mm -hmm. without at least touching on them. So we have, you know, certainly a, a uh, you know, nice selection of, um, of various takes, uh, some of which we have heard before on Anthology, although at least these are more complete. You know, we, we really find out, at least I have, how on the anthology boy were those edited i mean you know and <laughs> on this we definitely get fuller versions um and uh, and then some we have not heard before some and, and some we've heard on bootlegs and, and so forth but uh, definitely in better sound quality here i would say mm. um so i thought we could go around and and just mention uh some that particularly stood out for us that really you know shed some new light on the album for us or the you know the songs or the recording process you know some that really you know just just made you sit up and take notice just think wow you know that this really when made me listen to the album in a new way um uh so uh, so ken let's let's start with you this time what what was there uh were there was there an outtake or two that really just you know, knocked you, know, you out What's really funny here is that on my other podcast, Things We Said Today, we talked about the outtakes and we all came up with what was the major highlight for, I think, for all three of us. And that other take of Got to Get You Into My Life. Yeah. Not take one, not mm. the finished version without the vocals, the, the one where it's just the band without the horns. Yeah. It's really great to hear the song that way. And most fascinating was that you actually heard what sounded like the riff from Paperback Rider being used mm. before the verses. And, and I was starting to think, well, did they bury that in the final mix? And mm. it wasn't in the final mix. But, you know, from what I understand, they, they saved one of the mono um, outtakes of that. We have to be so grateful for that. Um, that was fascinating to hear. And it's just great to hear it without the horns and just the band. Yeah. Um, obviously, everyone's talking about Yellow Submarine and knowing um, the whole evolution of that song, just to know that John played a part in writing it from the very beginning. Um, and not only that, but uh, the time signature was different when John made his, his demo, because that was in three, four time. And the song, as the Beatles developed it, became four, four time. But to see how that song progressed and uh, to hear them do it acoustically and work on it. And then the, the finished version. I love that stuff. I love the backing tracks on For No One. I love right. hearing Paul's piano playing or, or the clavichord. Which, which one is it when I'm listening to the backing tracks? Is that me? It's, it's, piano, it's piano. It's piano. Okay. Yeah. All right. The basic track is piano and drums. Okay. But I, I loved hearing that. In fact, 
you know, I wouldn't have minded hearing just the backing tracks for every song, mm. which I question why there was nothing from Good Day Sunshine in there. You couldn't just give the backing tracks without, the, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, there's there's so many highlights. I loved hearing Love You Too, especially the demo from the very beginning. And then because I've I've questioned so many times that intro for Love You Too, which they don't go into in the book. You know, whether or not George really wrote that, we don't even, we didn't really know, I think, until now that it was all George on sitar. Right. And Paul played the tambora, and then they had the other, the tabla play, and that was it. I mean, John wasn't even on Love You Too. But to hear that other take of Love You Too, starting with the verse, and then, to hear George play more sitar towards the end. I wanted that to keep going. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That was fantastic. I liked hearing all the different takes of Enya Burke and Sing, how they worked that the, the dual guitar part in. But um, yeah, just the, the fascinating thing overall, we've discussed this, is to hear evolution of songs. Yeah. 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 One of the biggest disappointments, though, was that I wish that we could have heard more of an evolution of Tomorrow Never Knows, considering how groundbreaking a song that was. Yeah. You know, how did it get from take one to the finished product? You know, it's nice to have that other, the motto version of Tomorrow Never Knows that got pulled initially with more sound effects and everything. But what happened in between there? <laughs> <laughs> what point did, did Ringo come up with the drum pattern that was used? Yeah. You know? Um, Unfortunately, there don't seem to be any, there's a, there's a breakdown of take two, which is sort of the arrangement for, for the final take, take three, and then that's it. So it would be, it would be, um, you know, it would be the tracks themselves. It would be the, the bass and drum track. And then, I mean, I think there would be, it would be useful. I thought they would include the, uh, the isolated loops. I thought that would be mm, interesting. That would have been really um, interesting. Oh, but, yeah. but I'll be I'll be covering that on my podcast soon. So stay mm -hmm. tuned. I'll be answering a lot of your questions. Um, <laughs> plug, I can plug. say no more. <laughs> I, can, I can say no more. All right. We'll say more about that at the, toward the end of the show. So where you can find it and everything. <laughs> okay. So Jason, what about you? What uh, what were uh, some outtakes that, that really blew you away? The... Um, I mean, I agree with everything that everybody said so far. Um, Andrew Bird can sing with the, was it take five with the backing vocals? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that is probably my, I would have to say, if not my favorite, one of my favorite guitar riffs of all time. It's fun to play. It's really hard to play at speed. Um, it's just a great, great part. Just, just brilliant. Um, but the Eleanor Rigby uh, session chat where George is talking yes. to the string players. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I want to hear that whole session. I want to, and you hear the the outtake. Some of the little the little accents and the you know the the way they play certain notes is a little different than the final mix. And you know, I want to hear that evolution of how they get to that final take. You know, it's all subtle. I know it's little details, but I just found that incredibly illuminating. And it it you know again it puts us in the room. That's the fascinating thing about this stuff. It puts us in the room and we get to experience their process, which, yeah. you know, to me with the, the podcast, that's critical. And I feel like um, seeing great artists process is just just an inspiring and um, illuminating thing. So that was the one for me. Yep. 
Couldn't have said it better. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that too. With so that, the backing tracks on Ellen Rigby, the strings, one of the things I found interesting was the very last note sustains. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah. off when the version that we all know and love. But yeah. just a little change there, I find fascinating. Mm -hmm. yeah. Joe, how about you? Jordan. Well, uh, everything everybody said so far among my favorites and and what Jason brought up the you know with Eleanor Rigby the talking and uh, you hear George Martin Paul and I think as some of the musicians that are playing yeah. on there that's a real treat anytime you can kind of eavesdrop and hear them at work and talking I love that yeah. even on one of the uh, takes of uh I think it's first version, take five. I've got to get you into my life. There's more dialogue at the beginning, and even Ringo, you know, is yeah. offering some stuff, which yeah. is which is great. Uh, what can I say? I mentioned take seven of Dr. Robert before, which is a highlight for me. I don't know what it was. I mean, it's just how clear the vocals are, and it, it sounds so clean, and uh, the well, well, well part is more intense than ever, and, uh, you know, otherworldly and trippy and druggy you don't really i don't think really think of that too much like, this is a druggy song mm -hmm. but i got that feeling listening to that uh and I, you know i say instead of mentioning a lot of the same things everybody's mentioned i'll have some other ones here like uh even rain you know the regular speed that we know it as uh being able to hear john's vocal alone you know loud and up front like that you know i really enjoyed that and uh i wish love you too uh, had been longer the uh which one is it the uh, uh well i think it's just the one with the, the the back backing music and i just wish that it had been a little longer one of them was really kind of short and it leaves you like hungry to hear more you know uh yeah so that's some of the ones that really oh and yellow submarine i'll mention even though we mentioned it the evolution of that hearing john's sad and somber origins of that and then seeing how it developed that was quite a trip you know, getting to hear all that, that journey. Those are the highlights. Absolutely. Never in a million years did I think Yellow Submarine started like that. I never <laughs> yeah. in a million years. Absolutely. Well, not Tom. if you read Paul, not if you read Paul's introduction. Uh, yeah, true. yeah, true. Yeah, true. I mean, so that's just, just, but to hear it, but to hear it, my goodness. Um, yeah. Tom, how about okay. you? Well, um, the, the chatter, track three, disc one or bonus disc one before they're trying to tell Paul how to do Paul who's supposed to be the leader in the studio and he just doesn't get the count in <laughs> you know that's, <laughs> uh, that's the kind of stuff I just love to hear uh, you guys mentioned the love you too of uh, the acoustic version that could have fit on early takes volume one easily you know that's just the kind of stuff I love to hear from 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 George um you know uh bonus disc two take two tax man with the anybody got a bit of money over and over i just that's mm -hmm. just you know again great stuff to hear uh the evolution is of the songs like ken says especially we you know we get uh you know four versions of i'm only sleeping um you know we get a bunch of yellow submarines too which is is great uh the eleanor rigby yeah the i love the strings the, the walking through um what they're going to do and that chatter there is everywhere i mean is everything I, I love it um track 15 here there and everywhere i just get so moved when i hear paul singing that song it's just that version of what he sings is just is beautiful and then uh lastly uh track 16 she says she said uh and it's making me feel like my trousers are torn <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. You know. Oh. So yeah, I mean, this is this is the stuff I go to right away when I get the, these boxes. When these box sets, all of us, I'm sure we go right to. Well, I don't know. Maybe Jason, you're a little different. But, uh, no, no, maybe, no. But, I, yeah. I go. I go over the outtakes. Yeah, I love yeah, that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this didn't disappoint. You know. Yeah, sure. We would like a little bit more evolution, like Ken says. Uh, but what we got. Uh, I think is pretty magical. And it's a little disappointing that the, the CD has got to match the vinyl uh, in a way. I'm sure there's so much more that uh, they could have given us yeah. on, on, on the CD, um, you know, but it is what it is. That's a good point about the vinyl. I actually didn't think of that, but yeah, yeah. I probably had to match the vinyl so they couldn't give us. Uh, well, I mean, they could have made they could have fit another twenty minutes on the 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 CD, and then they could have made a made it a third album, you know, for the, yep. for for the vinyl. So. And yeah. of course, yeah, and of course, there's the EP. They could have added yes. more in the EP, but you know, that's another show. Yeah, we're talking eighty one minutes of outtakes over two discs, and yeah, one right. disc will hold almost eighty minutes. So it's it's yeah. really you know, it's not value for money. If there's yeah. one, if there's one substantial criticism of this of this release, and you know, I think previous releases, is that they're not packing these discs full of right. material, and and oh. uh, you know, and, and you know, not to scrape the barrel, but there's, uh, you know, to show the process, to show the evolution yeah. of these of their yeah. ideas. And yeah, and I and I do want to give credit to to the book. I think yes. all the books in these in these sets have been amazing. The yeah. the attention to detail, you know, what they talk about, and then you know when they go through track through track, you know, they they kind of ex explain what you're hearing on the bonus disc, you know. So uh, very very well uh, researched and and written. And I, I would say you definitely should be reading these books as well. Absolutely, yeah. yeah if I may just say, there's a little bit of discussion in here, a little bit of friendly. Uh, disagreement about the version of Taxman that has, in my opinion, that awful. Uh, anybody got a bit of money? Anybody got a bit of money? Anybody got a bit of money? I'm so glad they asked that, but somebody yes. here uh, likes it and they said they thought it fit the, fit the tone of the song perfectly. Richard says, and some Tony DeMaio disagrees, and so do I. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know they were they were right to ditch that, but but it's fun to hear. It's fun. But to exactly. Hear. How yeah. much of this is what we're used to hearing? The way we're used mm -hmm. to hearing it, right? Yeah. If we had been, if we had grown up with that version, would we say what happened? Why they take it? They, they exactly. removed it for twenty twenty two. Yeah. Really. Well, again, it's it's their process. You know, they're working out ideas on tape. You know. Yeah. yeah. And and that's the great thing to hear, and also that you know what they were perfect. You know, mm -hmm. they had some ideas no. that really didn't work. You know, you and could have had a great. big hum at the end of a day in the life. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that didn't work either. But <laughs> I'll, I'll just add one more thing is, I mean, there, much of what you guys mentioned, I, I agree with. But I also loved hearing, uh, I think, what was it? Take, uh, there were a couple of takes. One of them broke down. And then uh, the other one of um, uh, Paperback Writer. Mm. I loved right. hearing just, you know, takes one and two. Yeah. Um, yeah, the first one broke down and because they couldn't they rock. They were wasn't that rocked. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't anything, you know, wasn't anything revolutionary or anything yeah. like that, but it just showed they just were a damn good rock band, you know, <laughs> and they just were, I mean, I loved hearing that, um, you know, just hearing the backing track. So, I mean, it was, you know, it wasn't no, no sound loops or any backwards guitars or anything like that. It was just great straightforward rock that they could play that too uh yeah. you know they could still get back to their roots and and uh i i just you know just what a varied album this was 
No, it's, it is it, like it has these experimental things and it has these sort of softer, you know, softer ballads from Paul and it has the string octet, but there's a lot of rock and roll. There's a lot of loud guitars on this album. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that they could still do that. And I mean, and I, of course, it wasn't on the album, but it was, you know, during those sessions. And, and it's just it was so, you know, what a what a great treat to hear that. Uh, and I, I love I, them. I, we should mention them. I mean, because we haven't talk, said anything about the EP. I mean, I, I really I love the mono. Yes. Uh, paperback writer me too mm-hmm. that was yeah. probably my favorite mono mix i i mm. i thought that i i really like the mono mix of that i i agree that that just really jumped out i i uh, i enjoyed that as well absolutely so um well i mean there is so much more we could talk about but we're we're uh you know running out of time here so i think um well uh have to save some questions for uh another episode but i think we'll we'll close it out though by i'd I'd like to know how you think this set holds up against the other ones that have come out so far um i'm I'm really curious some some of you i can kind of guess but some of you i don't know so um so what what do you think how how do you compare this with the other sets that have been out there so far um you know jason what what do you think what how would you rate this against the others i i think uh, the white album is still probably the best one they've done just because of the amount of material um right. i mean they still could have given us more we always want more i'd like 10 <laughs> more discs um but the fact that they gave you know all the Easter demos and so many outtakes. I mean, that to me is, is the best they've done so far. Um, it seems to me that they've been, they've been offering fewer and fewer tracks uh, in the outtakes as we've been moving forward with this. Um, and, you know, maybe that's because they're paying attention again to the vinyl and they want to yes. match that, um, which is a very 20th century way of thinking. Um <laughs> <laughs> it seems a little seems a little odd and, and outdated because now you know we can stream we we don't we don't have to be stuck to physical formats anymore um i do yeah well i mean <laughs> in terms in terms in terms of releasing music you know, Understood. Understood. You know in, in terms of how much you can release and you know there are no there are really no limitations it, it, the only limitation is how much you actually want to put out there um so yeah i think you know, there can always be more. I, I've always said, take one of everything, release that, show us where they began and give us an idea of, you know, if there's an evolution from take one to the final take, you know, let's see some takes between that, but take one is really important. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I'd like to see more of that. But um, so, I mean, I think I Revolver is what got me started as a Beatles obsessive years ago. So, you know, anything I can get about this album, I'm going to take it um, and sort of, and sort of fold it into all the other material that we have already. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm great. I'm grateful for that. Um, and the book is great. You know, the book is yeah. beautiful. So I, you know, I can't complain about the design or the, the visual aspect of it. Um, but I, I think the white album is the one to beat. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Ken. Ditto. <laughs> good night everybody <laughs> yeah, good night that was easy thanks you can't top the white album for all the material that was put in there 
I agree with everything Jason said about take one should be included. You should have the backing tracks for every song. I don't see why that's mm -hmm. why that's impossible. If you're at a loss for anything, at least have the backing tracks. Um, you know, but one thing in, in reading the book for Revolver, there are plenty of times when they erased over themselves a lot of their tracks. Mm -hmm. So how many outtakes really are worthy of putting out? That's the thing you have to question, you know, what what Apple thinks is worthy of putting out. Right. I'm sure there's some of us that just want everything and it's not going to matter. But, you know, and if they're going to be fussy about which takes or I mean, one of the another disappointment for me was I want to tell you the outtake because all there was was the backing tracks. And that only goes on for like 30 seconds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Put studio chatter in front of that to pad it <laughs> and then they they don't even give you the full song because it breaks down yeah so maybe they just didn't have enough worthy material that's part of the problem mm -hmm. in this whole thing that we don't know unless you're unless you've heard every single outtake of every single song you don't know how much exists there but um i still think they could have given us more um or at the very least like I've said before, combine the two discs of outtakes and make it one and charge less. You know, I'm not in favor of these EPs coming out. Mm. I mean, they didn't do that with Sgt. Pepper. You didn't have a Penny Lane Strawberry Fields EP with the right. box. Um, you didn't have that with the White Album. You know, the Let It Be, they started doing it. And what's what? it's just maybe to cost more, to, mm. to give us more of a, to pad the bill. But um, no, the White Album is the best of them all. But then again, I'm happy for anything to come out from the Beatles camp. Yep. Because they don't owe us anything, you know. So I'm grateful for anything that comes out, anything that keeps the Beatles in the news, keeps them on the charts. I'm all for it. But I still think a better job could be done. Sound yeah. quality is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Tom. Yeah, White Album is, is is number one on my list, um, you know, with the Easter demos and then an early version of Let It Be to boot on there. You know, that was I mean, how surprised were we all with that, you know? Yeah. Um, but this is yeah, this is I put this, you know, right in the middle of, of everything. Um, you know, I thought Abbey Road, I'll take, you know, the some of that stuff was amazing. You know, the Billy Preston stuff on, you know, that, I mean, that was that was crazy, too. Hearing Billy Preston go crazy yeah, on, a, yeah. on a version of uh, um, She's So I Heavy. Want you, she's I want so you. Heavy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's 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 a good set. Um, I'm happy with the for the for the most part. And uh, yeah, let's get a, let's get rid of the EPs. But uh, you know, it's it's a trend. Unfortunately, they're just I think they're just gonna you know copy the CD to vinyl uh, for here on out uh, for all of these. And uh, is it a shame? Maybe, but um, you know that's what we that's what we're gonna get. If this is what we have to expect, or this is what we're gonna get to, for it to continue to get to go then i say fine do what you have to do for, to continue it um but it's stupid <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll keep complaining we'll keep complaining if it gets to me i won't complain <laughs> no i mean i do think it's important to speak up because that's you know really? that's how we, that's how we got the rooftop concert you know right. it, yeah and there there and that's i mean i don't want to go into this too much but there does seem to be a strange conservatism 
about releasing this stuff as if to say like, oh, really, the Beatles are popular? Well, amazing. <laughs> you know, I, yes, fans are going to want this stuff. They're going to they're going to eat it up. Um, and, and I think Apple should not underestimate that. Yep, yep you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Joe. Well, I don't have as much of a problem as many people, even in the comments, do with the EPs. <laughs> um, the price, yeah, okay, the, the price I get. But as far as I like, like in the case of Paperback Rider and Rain, I like having them separate from the album, if you know what I mean, not just it, tagged on, kind of. Right. I like kind of like mm-hmm. that. But uh, as far as like your question, uh, got to be different also about the White Album. Well, it depends what we're talking about. Are we talking about extras? exclusively in, the, in terms of bonuses i think i agree that you can't beat the white album in terms of the extra material i think that was the, my favorite but it would be my least favorite in terms of the remix i think only there was like hit and miss is too much for me on there i like a lot of stuff some stuff i didn't like on on uh, the white album you know health the skelter stuff and i'm not gonna you can't name every track but uh, I didn't like what was done to George's eyes or whatever. Oh, it was moans in the, while my guitar gently weeps. Mm. But and other things I adored, you know. I, I, you know, I can go on all the tracks. How many thirty-something tracks there, or something like that? But uh, yeah. So where does Revolver stand? I think I'm having more of an appreciation for it as I listen to it more than I did on my first impression. I probably would put Pepper and Revolver as my favorite two favorites in terms of the remixes themselves maybe you know but for bonuses i go with the white album number one i mean i can get keeping the integrity of the singles and keeping them separate i can understand that um in a way um kind of like how they keep the integrity with the the red you know the red album the blue album you know you could easily put those onto one cd yeah on uh, cd right? when i did that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah exactly yeah. um but it's still silly yeah i mean i, I think they I, could put it at the end of the of the second disc i mean yeah right you know it's four tracks and they're they're not even three minutes I think how long is paperback writer? It's not even three minutes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's exactly. like they could they could. Well, it's a matter of the length or, like you said, the integrity of the separation of it. Sure. Whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. It, it's pros and cons in both ways, I guess. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. My concern is more value for money. You know. It's, yeah. These, these things are are getting more expensive for for yep. less material. That's really for sure. Yeah. I think that's why they're expensive because of the EP. But but the, I I that's I just the so. thing though, Jason. You you say that you and then we get the the Lennon sets which have more stuff on them, yeah, but true. but yet yep. they're 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 cheaper. Yeah. So why is it okay for the Lennon camp to give you more and charge less, but then mm-hmm. the Beatle camp is it just because it's the Beatles? You know. I mean I don't know. You have to I ask. You have camp. to ask them yeah. that. You know. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's I agree with you 100. percent mm, Yeah, because really the yeah the Lennon sets are have been done so well. I yeah. mean that Imagine uh, set was gorgeous. No, yeah. I th- I, th- I really I really think um, you know they get the fans. You know the the mm-hmm. Plastic Ono yeah. Band and Imagine sets are yeah. Sean Sean really understands what fans want. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. That means sometime in New York City. <laughs> yeah let's hope let's hope let's hope absolutely and uh and i have to say i agree um with you joe i think uh for absolutely for remixes alone this and sergeant pepper are my favorite 
Mm -hmm. now. Maybe Sergeant Pepper is still number one for remix, but this is a close second. But for extras, yeah, probably White Album is uh, still ranks number one. I mean, just for bang for your buck, so to so to speak. So I I agree. But uh, well, we could go on and on talking about this all night. There's so much to. to, to did you want to say something, Ken? Yeah, no. I was. Um, oh, Ken, sorry. About the EP and keeping that separate. Yeah. So why didn't they put all the outtakes of Paperback Rider and Rain on the same CD? With yeah, Rain? there you yeah. go. Then you would have had a lot less in the outtakes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you certainly could have fit all that onto one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There yeah. you go. Good yeah. point. And yeah. um, excellent point about the linen box sets. They have been the most generous by far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Tom, uniform, right? We like uniformity. Oh, uniformity yes. is... Let's put all these different sizes for every Beatles one. (laughs) Put them all the same, like well, I'm happy to say that this revolver set is is basically the same as dimensions as the Abbey Road set. So those and the and the Sgt. Pepper, so those look good together. It's you know, the white album had to be, you know, and let it be had to be difficult, but oh well. (laughs) We got them, we got the sets. So let's go. All right, Kit. I think we're losing. No, 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 no sound. Yes, you're muted. Kit. No sound from Kit. We've lost her. This is know. some. This is some night. Uh oh. No one and I. mute. I see the mute button on Kit. Yeah, she's muted herself. Well, Jason, we while, while Kit's trying to figure it out, why don't you tell us where every, <laughs> tell everybody where you they can find your yeah. show and how to we'll get a hold of you and all this Wait, stuff. Kit, why don't Why don't you say something, Kit? She has been. Oh, I thought I saw that she was muted. Oh no, something's something's going with her audio. Okay. I had this the other night when I was talking to her when we were doing a test for this. Right. Um, anyway, you can find uh, producing the Beatles on iTunes and basically anywhere you find podcasts. It's being distributed probably. I don't know. I'm seeing it all sorts of places where I'm like, oh, wait, hold on, how did they get there? And new episodes will be coming soon. I'm working on Isn't It a Pity right now? And I'll be doing one for a Paul solo track. And I have a a bonus episode specifically about Ringo. And then I'll start the new season, which is going to be all about Revolver and lots lots of these, these isolations I've been playing. And if you'd like to hear more of the isolations than I play on the podcast, you can go over to my Twitter, PT Beatles, where I'm specifically right now sharing vocal isolations from Revolver, usually 30 seconds to a minute. And no copyright strikes like we would get here. Okay. <laughs> don't want you guys to get, you know, taken down. Right. Yes. Thank you for that. Thank you. Uh, Joe, why don't we, hey, we uh, sound like the chipmunks? Yeah. <laughs> it sounds a little sped up for some reason. I don't think yeah. I do. I don't know why. But anyway, um, yeah, well, my channel on YouTube is Mean Mr. Mayo. And uh, well, lately, the biggest thing I've been doing is doing like several videos uh, revolver related and uh, check those out. Also, check out my uh, show. It's a discussion show called Fab Gab, and we just did one of those on Revolver as well. But, of course, YouTube changed things around. You might want to also, in addition to clicking on videos, also click on live. Some Something of them are live shows that are there. And I think I do we hear Kit now? Yep. We can, Kit, talk. Well, okay. I guess not yet. Okay. <laughs> next. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yes. I hear you now. Okay, yeah, all right. Well, let me get my camera on. Hang on. All I right. I can get it back on. I don't know why it isn't. There, there we go. go. I'm back. I don't all know right. what happened. So, so right. I'm back. 
What All right. Well, Joe was Joe was uh, talking about what's going on with him. <laughs> okay, I could hear you. I could hear you guys. You yeah, that's it. I'm so done. that's I'm weird. Done. Okay, go right ahead. <laughs> all right, go ahead, Kit. Kit, it's your turn. Okay. So, uh, so well, first of all, you can find us uh, on Talk More Talk uh, on our website, talkmoretalk.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us, of course, right here on this channel. Please subscribe. Please hit that uh, bell if you want to be notified of future episodes. Uh, <laughs> but you can uh, find us uh, on uh, Twitter at uh, talkmoretalk1, the number one. Um, you can uh, also email us for uh, suggestions. If you have suggestions of future topics, uh, you might find one of your ideas on, uh, on a future show. You can, of course, uh, send us feedback as well. Uh, we always like to uh, hear from you. Uh, you can find us on any uh, podcasting platform you can think of pretty much. We're, we're everywhere. And you can uh, also um, find us on Fab4 Radio, thanks to our friend Beetle Ed. Thank you so much. You run all of our, a lot of our shows, uh, individual shows as well. Uh, so he's one of our biggest supporters. As far as I go, um, I'm uh, on a couple of uh, episodes of uh, a good friend of our show, uh, Ed Shen, uh, when they was fab, talking about, you won't believe this, Revolver. Wow. Wow. <laughs> like, isn't that amazing? Other people are talking about Revolver? That's I know. It, it's, it's shocking, you know. Gosh, and so. Gosh. Gosh, gosh. Uh, so uh, go check uh, his show out uh, when they was fab. Uh, we uh, did a two-parter on that. Uh, my next class, the next uh, uh, in the series of uh, Roots Rock and Roll Part 2 is starting December 1st. Uh, so if you haven't registered, you might want to do that uh, as soon as you can. Uh, the spots are filling up. We're going to be talking about country, folk, and yes, skiffle. So, uh, so you don't want to miss that. And I'm going to be teaching two more classes. Uh, and I'll tell you more about that in uh, our next episode, because uh, the registration links aren't up yet. So I'll tell you about that uh, when details, more details are available. So that's it for me. Okay. Um, for for two legs. legs. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. I forgot you, Tom. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> we forgot Billy Preston. All right. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Um, two legs. Um, we we've done a few videos over the last couple of weeks. Uh, we did one two weeks ago about uh, a possible you know record from Paul in, in 2023, whether it's going to be uh, a new studio album or or maybe even high in the clouds uh, music. Uh, we know that that's coming soon uh, on Netflix. Uh, so go over there and check that out. We also did a show with a gentleman named Tony Shelley, who's got a, a wonderful Beatles channel called Beatly Tones Beatles Beatles channel. And uh, we did what we did was a show on um, we did pick five things that we thought Paul did right throughout his solo career. Uh, that could have been suing the other three uh, to, uh, you know, <laughs> to save them from Klein, or that could have been just working with Elvis Costello. I mean, just things like that. We had a great time. It, wa it wasn't skipping the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I don't think. No, no, no. That, <laughs> that, now that, I'm glad you brought that up because that is on a show. We just started releasing some archive stuff because as people know, we were only an audio podcast for the first couple of years with me and my cousin. 
And uh, we just dropped the first uh, one uh, from that on YouTube uh, this past weekend. And that was um, uh, a thing that we, uh, those five things that we thought uh, Paul did wrong in his career. And absolutely not going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was, was one of them. So, so check that out. Once a month, we're going to be dropping some, uh, some shows that uh, hadn't been on YouTube. Uh, because like I said, we were audio only for a couple of years. And uh, we're going to do an archive sh uh, series. And that'll be one a month. Uh, if you want to email us, email us at twolegspodcasts at gmail.com. And Ken, off to you. Okay. Uh, first of all, my YouTube channel, which is Ken Michaels Radio. I just did an interview with Bruce Spizer and Al Sussman for Bruce's new book, Rubber Soul to Revolver, for which Al contributed two pieces. And uh, Bruce Spizer's work is, you know, among the best, as you know. And uh, he'll be continuing with, with more books in commemoration of the Beatles albums. Um, if you can, check that out. My other podcast, Things We Said Today, we just did a show on the outtakes from Revolver. And our next show will be on the remix from Revolver. Yeah. Wow. Copying us, really, when you get down to it. <laughs> Um, my radio show, Every Little Thing, instead of saying on my website, look at all the radio stations that have it, let me just tell you that one radio station, WFDU, Fairleigh Dickinson University's radio station that runs my show Sunday mornings at six, um, they have the show on demand. So you can listen to the show whenever you want to at their website, WFDU.FM. And just look at archival shows, type in every little thing. They have the last two week shows on there, so you can listen whenever you want to. Um, on my website, there'll be Beatles trivia right after the show ends. You can play the Beatles game, Scrambled Eggs, and uh, your chance of one of 10 prizes that you can win. And pretty soon it'll be this baby right here, Ringo. <laughs> Greek Theater 2019, and uh, pretty soon I'll be giving away it's a special contest on my website, the two CD uh, DVD hmm. as well. All right, um, I think that's everything. Okay, fantastic. Well, this has been a great show tonight. Kind of a kind of a crazy technical show, but we, uh, but, you know, we go with the flow here. It's yeah. all live. So, thank you all for uh, for putting up with our uh, craziness tonight, Jason. Thank you so much again for being on the show. You are always welcome back here. We love having you. Thank on. you for having me. It's a lot of fun. Oh. Oh, thank you. And, and uh, you really gave us a, a great new perspective into these mixes, into the album. Uh, it, it was just a, a joy having you on. So thank you so much. Um, so for Tom, Ken, Joe, and Jason, uh, this is Kit saying, I hope you enjoy every sound there is. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. Talk, more talk, shout, more talk. Talk.